0: Hey, if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 1 this morning, looking at the first uh, five verses, uh, because today we're beginning a new series in the book of Galatians, uh, which will take us roughly 15 weeks, um, especially with uh, Easter and and around that, but we'll uh, conclude after uh, Easter, but it'll take us about 15 weeks to go over the whole book. Galatians, as you're getting there, let me just share some stuff about Galatians with you. Uh, First off, it's one of my favorite New Testament books. Um, In fact, this was the first book that I really began to study and and dig into at the beginning of my pastorate. And I would say this is an incredible beginning. And so I love that we're beginning this with this book in the new year. And I'm so glad you're here as we begin this. Um, This book of Galatians is an incredible letter from the Apostle Paul, who wrote to the churches throughout Galatia. Now, this isn't a a letter written to a single church. We've gone over uh, letters that Paul's written to single churches, but this is to many churches in the region of Galatia. So it's not a, a city, it's regions, and there were several churches among those cities but really, and, and if you go and you, you read commentaries and look at what scholars have said, there's, there's arguments of what region is Paul talking to? What, what is, how does this affect our view of this book? But really, here's what I would lead us to. We can get into that, but I'd rather not. Because um, really, if we get to the heart of the message of Galatians, it's the message of freedom. It's the message of release from the bondage of legalism. It's the resolve to the issue of lawlessness. And the whole book is spiritual dynamite. It's absolutely uh, composed of so many powerful truths. It's, it's powerfully um, and potently doctrinal, historical, practical, and powerful. And so as Paul begins to unpack his message and charge, he does so with a ferocious passion. And in all of my uh, study um, this week and and weeks prior of this, what constantly seems to come up is this word freedom, not only in the book itself, but a lot of what others would write about the book, what men of God have written, what they learned from this book, that it contains a message of freedom. And we love freedom, especially on 4th of July. We love our American freedom, but we also love all kinds of other freedoms. We love uh, financial freedom, We love freedom spiritually. We love freedom relationally, emotionally, and and so on. But really, there's, there's an important question for us because at one point or another, not all of us still feel free. Tracking with me? So what gets us to return to a place of bondage? I think that's an important question for us as we begin. What is getting us to return to a point of bondage? Because often, what I believe is that it's the doubt that we begin to believe And it makes us wonder if we're no longer truly free. And so this is what's happening in these churches, that in Christ, these believers have experienced freedom. They've experienced true freedom in Christ, but now there are teachers and there are religious leaders coming in and saying, No, 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 no. This gospel truth that has been shared is not complete There's more for you and there is more work and effort for you to put in for you to be saved. So you've got to work for your salvation, not a working out of your salvation, but you've got to work for it. You've got to earn it. And so these men are coming in and saying this, that it's not a message of freedom. And Paul most likely just kind of shared a piece of it and it wasn't complete. And so Paul is going to open up here as we read. He's gonna open up and he's gonna continue in an intensity and a great intention saying, no, the gospel must not and cannot change. And so do not try to do this. What needs to change is you and I. That we've been set free, so now we're called to live free. So Paul's argument is going to be one of freedom. If you categorize a theme that you go, what is Paul going to say this week as we dive into the text? He's going to speak on your freedom in in Christ, that gospel belief really fuels gospel change and not where we are changing the gospel, but that the gospel is changing us, which results in freedom. And so what we're going to see and unpack from our text this morning as we go to read is that it is by the authority of God that we have freedom in Christ that only comes from the gospel. And so we're going to read Galatians chapter one, starting in verse one. But here's what I, as we go to read, what I really want to encourage you is how Paul concludes his letter to the Galatians, uh, to all of these churches. He, he explains to them that he then takes the pen from his scribe and writes with his own hand, very heavy, because he's serious about the things he's saying. And so for us, when we read an introduction, um, especially someone's, whether it be an email or whether it be a letter that someone writes and they're giving an introduction, we we tend to kind of skip over. We tend to kind of look at it and go, that's really good, now let's get to the content. But Paul's introduction, as in a lot of his letters, but I think especially in the book of Galatians, has intense truth in it. Um, And so I want us to just look at these five verses. And so, starting in verse 1, he says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, this morning, as we go to look and learn and study and submit under your word, God my, my words, my words do not carry the weight or the authority that yours do. So Father, I pray that as we look at this text, God, I pray that we would be seeking you. That God, what we learn today, God, may it be because of how you've pierced our hearts to hear truth. Father, may we learn and and grow from what was written to churches thousands of years ago, but is absolutely relevant to us today. And so, God, we love you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the churches in Galatia were being influenced by those who were presenting a different gospel. We'll look at this different gospel that was proposed. Uh, not really that there, as Paul would say, any, that there is any other gospel, but they were presenting this type of other gospel in verse 6. But these false teachers were known as Judaizers. And these individuals taught that Gentile Christians needed to be circumcised physically and keep the Mosaic law, which is the law given to Moses. And also these individuals, these enemies of the true gospel, were trying to support their case by undermining Paul's authority as an apostle of Christ. And so because of this, Paul wrote the book of Galatians to really verify his apostleship and the gospel of justification by faith in Christ. And so in these first five verses, the opening of his letter to the churches, Paul begins by really emphasizing his authority and his call. So in verse one, Paul gives a solid defense that he is not an apostle from men or, or nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. And so the word apostle here that Paul is using means one who is sent out, a messenger of a greater authority. And Paul's apostleship, his sending out, didn't originate with men and it didn't come through men. It originated with God and it came directly from God. And so Paul's standing as an apostle was not based on any human counsel or call, which the men he's up against are men formed by men. And so Paul's making a distinction here that it's based on a divine call, that it's men through both the, or it's made his apostleship, his apostleship is made through the Father and through the Son. So when Paul emphasizes his apostleship, he's making a clear distinction from the other religious leaders, from the false teachers coming in. And he's saying that he has been sent by God, not by man, but by God. And this is an appropriate language for Paul, since what we know from Acts chapter 9, when we read about Paul's conversion in his story, is that Jesus stops Paul when he was Saul on the road to Damascus, and he takes him from being a persecutor of the church to an apostle and great leader in his church. And so as Paul writes, it's with authority from God. It's with this great authority. So we know that Paul is writing this, but it is ultimately the authority of God. And so we regard this as we read as the word of God. We regard this as the word of God. And so this is important for us as believers because if we're not under the authority of God, then we'll often find ourselves given to any other authority that seems fitting or true in our own discernment. And often what happens is it falls to our own authority. Now, for some of you who do not like authority and this subject in of itself, some of you say, well, I have no authority over me. In the area of my business, I'm self-employed. In the area of my marriage, I lead and I am the authority. And if that is the case, (laughs) I would say to you, then you're in danger. If you have no authority over you, you are in danger. So consider this question, what authority are you under? What authority are you under? Because even for Paul, as he begins with with his authority, establishing for the churches, listen, I speak to you with authority, it's under the authority of God. And so for Paul, he's saying, as you look to me, look to Christ. And so now what's important for us to understand is that Paul's message is, is not look to me, it's look to Christ and the Father. That as an apostle through Jesus Christ and God the Father, Paul was given authority to be God's messenger. And that causes him to stand apart from the others. So I want you to understand something very important. That my role here, not only this morning, but as your pastor, is that I am under the authority of God. God. It is not my authority. I am not your ultimate authority. I am not the one who is over you or who you are ultimately to look to. I can be an example of who you are to look to, but I'm to be a messenger of the gospel. And I want you to understand that because often when we begin, what I will begin with, so you know that I'm not just making up David's new opinion this Sunday is let's go to the word Let's begin there, open it with me, dig in with me and let's pursue God together. So then as I speak and I I teach, I'm willingly submitted to God where it's not about my opinion. It's not about my words and it's not about my ways. If, If next Sunday we stripped away everything I had to say and we just read the word, God's word would still be beautifully shared. And so I want you to understand that because it matters who you look to. That I'm not here to alter the word or add to the word, but to preach its truth and point you to Jesus. That is what someone under the authority of God does. And so this is Paul's motivation. That he's desiring to make clear his authority in the churches he planted by stating that he is called by God. And that ultimately, it's God's authority. So if you understand Paul's authority, then we need to seek then God's authority ultimately. So now as he's established authority and apostleship in in the first verse, he's pointing the churches then to their freedom in Christ. He shows us in verse three, Paul greets the church with grace and peace. And he does this often in his letters two churches, but here I think it's an important piece for us to note because remember, this is not a letter to mature or even in some ways maturing unified believers. This is, these are a group of believers in multiple churches that are divided over truth. And so really, there would have been great cause for Paul to be frustrated. It would be easy for Paul to skip the grace and peace introduction and just say, what's wrong with you? This is the truth. This is what, how, how have you so easily forgotten what the truth is? It would be easy for Paul to begin his introduction this way. How have you forgotten your freedom in Christ? And he'll get there. Because there's much at stake for Paul. Paul. And Paul's been questioned and disregarded, but he starts with grace and peace. See, I think there's something incredible for us to learn from Paul in this. That for you and I, when we approach our wandering brothers and sisters that have been led astray by harmful authorities or false doctrines, that we greet them and respond to them with grace and peace. And so what's our influence in our response? It's, it's Jesus. At the end of verse three, Paul states that the root of his greeting of grace and peace is that it is from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this leads us to the most important truth of this letter that we are set free by God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we have freedom in Christ through God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But what is true of all of us is that it's really easy to go back to a place of bondage, to a place of slavery and being in chains. But I want you to remember as we go through this series that we talk, if you are in Christ, you are no longer in chains. If you are in Christ, you are no longer defined by your circumstances. You are no longer under the law, but you are under Christ because you have freedom in Christ. And so just for a moment, think back with me for for yourself when you first became a Christian. When you first became a follower of Jesus, the the way you felt, the freedom in which you felt, think about that. And, And I just wonder for a second if you still feel that freedom in Christ. Because I think when we first enter into a relationship with Christ, we feel that freedom. And in that, we, we no longer are in chains, but in fact, we hold our chains as a statement of freedom. Saying, this is the bondage I was in. Look at this. I am now set free. My, my chains don't define me anymore. I'm not in bondage of them. I'm set free. And this is the message that this is what Jesus did. But, but slowly and, and subtly, whatever it may be, false authorities or false doctrines or, or the, the destruction of our own thinking, we slowly return to a place of being in our chains. We're, we're moment by moment, if we're returning to that place of slavery, we're slowly putting the chains back on. I'm not doing enough for Jesus. I failed Does God really love me? Probably not. I might as well give up. And there we find ourselves back in a place of bondage. And and I think what what is true of those in that type of bondage, too often what they think is the idea that because you struggle, God struggles with you. And I'm not talking about sin. I'm, I'm talking about if you struggle, then you're default position of thinking typically is that you believe God struggles with you. But let me tell you, there's a big difference between your struggle and your identity. There is a big difference between your struggle and your identity. Struggling is not your identity. Christ is. This is why the gospel is so important to the believer and for the believer, because it's the good news that we are set free. And so in verses 4 and 5, Paul summarizes his gospel message here. That it is God's work through Christ on our behalf that brings us into reconciled relationship with God and with each other. And here at the beginning of verse 4, Paul describes the sacrificial nature of Christ when he states, who gave himself for our sins. Now, when when Martin Luther began to write out scripture for people to be able to read, and he definitely wrote um, his own commentary along with it, Um, he also stated that, that the book of Galatians was his dearest, his favorite. And what he said of verse four, when Paul says, who gave himself for our sins, he says, let us equip ourselves against the accusations of Satan with this, and similar passages of Holy Scripture. If he says, thou shalt be damned, you tell him, no. For I fly to Christ who gave himself for my sins. In accusing me of being a damnable sinner, you are cutting your own throat, Satan. You are reminding me of God's fatherly goodness toward me. That he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting light. Listen, I want you to understand this. The gospel is not just the good news that has invaded the bad space of your heart and your soul to set you free to now receive salvation. It is the truth applied and reapplied that it is only in Christ and through Christ that we are anything, So when Luther here is commentating on this text, stating that we should equip ourselves against the accusations of Satan, our equipping is in the truth of the gospel. So when we're told we are sinners, we agree, yes, and and one's in need of a savior. And when we're told we aren't awesome, we agree, yes, because Jesus is. And he gave himself for us despite our lack of awesomeness, despite of our good in us. And so I need you to understand the truth of the gospel for the believer, that the gospel is not only a guide to enter into the kingdom, it is a guide to how we live now as kingdom people. So Paul goes on to describe at the end of verse 4 here why Christ does this sacrificial gospel work. And it's in two parts here. And the first is that he says it's to deliver us from the present evil age. Now, here's what we know of the church in Galatia. In many ways, the Galatians were battling with and sometimes losing against the present evil age. And what they needed to know was that Jesus had come to save them. And so the idea behind the word deliver here is not deliverance from the presence of something, but deliverance from the power of something. And so what's important for us to understand is we will not be delivered from the presence of this present evil age until we go to be with Jesus. But when we experience deliverance, it's from the power of the present evil age now. And so let me remind you, God has not forgotten you. And he is not so absent in your life that his truth does not speak into it. He has given you his very own son to save you and to set you free. And so it's not the world we cling to. It's not this present evil age. It's not our own hopes. It's not our own desires It's the hope of Christ where we are able to remain here, remain here in Christ. So, really, the more you draw close to Christ, the more you will find deliverance from the power of this present evil age right now. Because the closer you draw to Christ, the more he removes your longing for everything else around you. So if I could just put it simply for you to understand freedom in Christ and the pursuit of Christ, let me say this. Find the things that stir your affections for Christ and root yourself in them. Like dedicate yourself unwaveringly to them. Don't let anything in to that affection that you have for Christ. And then as you do that, Find the things that rob you of that affection and do the hard work of walking away from them. See, finally, in the second reason Paul tells us that Christ does this sacrificial gospel work is at the end of verse four and then in verse five. that It is that according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever, Amen. So do you know who most desires, most longs for you to be set free? It's God. This is why he, deserves, he, he desires to stir your affections for Christ. This is why he moves towards us in a sacrificial way. And this is why he gave us Jesus. Because at the end of the day, what Paul is ultimately sharing and pointing this church to is that it is by the authority of God that we have freedom in Christ that only comes through and from his gospel. And so this morning as we come to a close and and we uh, journey together over the next 14 weeks through this book of Galatians, holding to our freedom in Christ, not being in a place of bondage, but being in a place of being set free. Let me ask you an important question. Are you living in gospel freedom? This is most likely a question I will constantly bring up in this series, but I think too often for us, we hear the message of the gospel and think that is for the person who's either walked away from the gospel or has never heard the gospel but it is much for the believer. So let me ask you, are you living in gospel freedom? Let's pray.